can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Fucking thing sucks. Tonight there's gonna be a jailbreak. Somewhere hello, in hello. Welcome to Open Wide for some soccer. My name is Seth Bertelny. Alongside me, soccer all-stars, Pablo Maurer, Tomas Floyd. Pablo just informed us that he doesn't want to do the show tonight. Uh, three weeks in a row. It's a little rough. I don't think we've done that in a while. It's tough. Yeah. I'm, I'm also looking outside the window behind Pablo, and I'm legitimately worried we might lose power because of some sort of tornado or thunderstorm. Yeah, it's looking ominous. Damage. We're under a tornado warning right now, so you guys know. Which told us to uh, go to the lowest level of our building. We are currently on the top level of our of this seven-story building. Guys, I uh, had a bit of an emergency of my own yesterday, if I could tell you. Uh, I was just sitting on my laptop, uh, kind of right next to my coffee table, and on the coffee table in front of me were a, a pair of drone batteries, and they were charging. And I guess something malfunctioned with a charger. <clears throat> One of the drone batteries exploded violently. Sounds bad. Uh, battery acid went everywhere, and which to me wasn't a huge deal. I mean, I just sort of moved my uh, laptop and like unplugged the charger. And the second I unplugged the charger, everything caught on fire. Everything. The the a pair of my shoes that were on the floor caught on fire. The coffee table caught on fire. The case with the drone in it caught on fire. Your paper mache statue of long tan. Yeah, apparently I live in like a house made of kindling. So I grabbed the uh, charger and threw it in my sink and turned the water on. And after a while, that went out. I came back out to the living room. Uh, grabbed my Ikea lack coffee table, right? This, is it like this one? But smaller. It's okay. like less ambitious than this one. This is the one that you get if you care about your apartment. One that I have is like the one you get if you <laughs> just eat ramen noodles off it. So I, I picked it up on fire and uh, and went out to my second floor balcony and threw the flaming coffee table off my balcony. Oh, wow. <laughs> into the parking table below. Yeah. Came back into the living room and my carpet was on fire. And then I just sort of stomped on that, and it was over. It sounds like Michael Bay directed that sequence it was, of your life. Uh, I, I genuinely, there was a genuine moment in that whole sequence of events where I really thought that the entire, not just my apartment, I, I live in the second and third floor of a row house. I imagined the entire place going up. I was thinking about how to get Claire's cat out of there. My downstairs neighbors have a dog. Well, that was thoughtful. Were your downstairs neighbors there? Uh, you know, he's an asshole anyways. Okay, I mean, I would save his dog before him. Did anybody but, did anybody see you throw the flaming table out the second story window? Yeah. Uh, later on that day actually, um, they did the people there were people at ground level who saw it. Later on that day I came out back to the balcony with the carpet to try and shake it off and like clean it. And I was wearing a sleeveless t shirt and boxer briefs. Oh that's and I uh, looked to the right, and there was like my next door neighbors were enjoying breakfast on their patio. Just looked at me like I was an absolute animal. <laughs> so I just left the carpet there and came back inside. Carpet's still there. I so I just wanted to imagine you throwing the flaming coffee table out the window and then turning and seeing your neighbors and just being like, hey. exactly. and just walking back inside. Enjoy your uh, breakfast, guys. Anyway, hope you have a great morning. Sorry to sorry to waste so much time on that story, but so uh, 
Oh, there's some more thunder. Uh, speaking, Thomas is getting scared. I know. Thomas. Well, if we, I mean, if we go out, what better way to go out than doing open wide for some soccer when an so F five comes through our window? <laughs> God, Jesus! Uh, I always uh, wanted to go out like Bill Paxton and on Twitter. And speaking of things, Twister, uh, you just called Twitter. Twitter. You just called Twister Twitter. I'm sure Bill Paxton has a Twitter too. To, <laughs> I told you I don't want to do this tonight. I'm sorry. Uh, we Trevor had had suggested before the show that Pablo just only go with the soundboard for tonight since he doesn't want to talk, and he's doing a bad job at it actually. Oh, thank you. <laughs> There, there it is. We have a, a new edition, actually. No, you, you should tell them about how that new edition came into being. I asked Ben Olsen a question at the press conference on Saturday. I said, you know, you guys are at the end of this six-game run without a spindle, and you only lost one game, and that's a pretty positive string of results. You know, uh, you have to understand, a lot of times when you ask players or coaches questions, they're not really questions. They're just talking points for them to elaborate on. So I said, oh, that's a really uh, positive string of results. And he literally just said, oh, thank you. <laughs> and then nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody laughed, and I was like, could you elaborate on that? And he was like, nope. I I missed this because I was in the uh, visiting coach's office at RFK, where Owen Coyle is the most delightful person I've I've met in MLS. He, I, The moment I walked in the room, he pulled up a chair for me and said, like, have a seat, welcome. And then he uh, proceeded to give uh, great answers, talking about 90 miles an hour uh, for the next uh, five to seven minutes. Yeah, we quickly established he doesn't understand what parody is in MLS. Right. He made many <laughs> references to this being a uh, a great performance by the Dynamo because they managed to get a point on the road against the reigning uh, Eastern Conference regular season champions and that there is a big gap in the standings between these teams uh, last year and you never would have thought there was a gap today and I really wanted to jump in and be like so you don't entirely understand MLS parody <laughs> you know this isn't the same as taking Bolton to Stamford Bridge and trying to grind out a result he, yeah he just wants to avoid relegation this year and exactly build on that I, I was really waiting for him to to go there next. Yeah, right, I, re, uh, real quick, sorry. Uh, two things. First of all, as always, we welcome your phone calls uh, wherever you are. Three four seven seven five six six two seven six is the number. Skype NASN Soccer if you want. Uh, I don't know, carrier pigeon, whatever. Secondly, let's talk about Brian Wilcox for a minute. Brian Wilcox. Brian Wilcox. New yep. open wide for some soccer legend. Uh, uh, automatic Hall of Fame inductee. Absolutely. Yeah, we haven't, we haven't done that in a while. Uh, a few weeks ago, we put out a call to you, the open wide for some soccer listener, to take a picture with Long Tan, having him hold up a sign that says, I love open wide for some soccer or something to that effect. And we offered you... Frankly, a mediocre prize pack. I mean, there there wasn't a whole lot in it in terms of well, uh, a reward. Okay. Let's recap the, what it was. The Lewis Creighton card. That is that is a prime prize. I mean, I I don't know a an Lewis Creighton fan. National Pride Upper Deck Trading Card. <laughs> National pl- Pride Liberia. What well, you need the pre- there was a Freddie Adu uh, milk ad, and as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> the Andrew Andrew Shue LA Galaxy mini poster is worth. Yeah, the price of admission alone. Many know? people forget that Andrew Shu had a long and storied tenure playing for the LA Galaxy in '96, '97. That was that was sarcastic. He was pretty bad for them. Uh, um, he did play for them. 
yeah, so we put out the call, and it, it, it had been a couple of weeks, and we, we hadn't gotten a response. It was a little disappointing. But then, lo and behold, last week, we get this picture. Brian Wilcox sends it to us and says, Long Tan loves open wide for some soccer. Guys, and gonna, it's a picture of the two of them together. I'm going to interrupt you so we can go to the phones. 918, open wide for some soccer. How can we help you? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh. So, Jurgen Klinsmann. Yes. Great coach or greatest coach uh, America has ever had? Is, uh, I, I feel like U.S. soccer might have this place bugged. <laughs> is that no. is that you, Sunil? Yeah, exactly. Michael Cameraman? <laughs> is this Michael Cameraman? Uh, no. Jurgen, no. Jurgen, Jurgen Klinsmann. Systematically destroying everything that is great about uh, United, the United States soccer program. Uh, agree I, or disagree, Thomas and Seth? Systematic destruction. I'll, I'll say that Jurgen Klinsmann is a superior coach to Steve Sampson <laughs> in the U.S. soccer power rankings. Seth, uh, chime in. Yeah, I think he's he's got a little ways to go to catch Bruce and, and, and maybe even Bob. And, and Bora. And, and, and well, Bora, Bora basically did what Jurgen did, which was get the U.S. out of a tough group it wasn't supposed to get out of by playing some dull, uninspiring soccer and then losing in the round of 16. Although I will point out, to Jurgen's credit, uh, Bora got the U.S. out as a third place finisher, if I'm correct. That's true. It, while playing at home, caller, so. what are what are your thoughts on Jurgen Klinsmann? Uh, Thirty second well, open pl- platform to discuss Jurgen Klinsmann. You know, I've, it's been a roller coaster ride. I hate him, and then I think he's a genius, and then I hate him, and then I think he's a genius. Uh, are you dating I'm Jurgen? Curious, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious how long you guys think the love fest that I've noticed since the most recent Dosero is going to last. Really? Is well, it a love fest? Uh, no? uh, love hate fest. I feel like it's been a love hate. I mean, love, I, I, hate I, I feel like I feel like uh, uh, Klinsman will obviously be around through the end of this cycle in the World Cup, but beyond that, it's yeah, hard to see I've, him. I've, I've seen a couple suggestions that his job could be at stake if they don't produce a good performance this summer in the Gold Cup, and right. I, I find that really hard to imagine. That's laughable, so especially I, given yeah. the amount of money that U.S. Soccer would have to pay him. Yeah, to get rid of him. Um, and the amount of money that they paid to get him, and the amount of time they spent trying to get him. And the amount of, like, yoga mats that they would have to offload. You know. <laughs> uh, caller, we appreciate the call, as always. Uh, take care and keep listening. Try not to fall asleep. Okay. Bye. All right, so back to Brian Wilcox quickly. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, so he won the contest, and I think the important thing to remember is it's not the prize pack itself that you do it for. It's the fact that you have a picture with Long Tan holding up a sign that says Long Tan loves at OWFSS. Or, or to just be in Long Tan's presence. It's a life-changing experience. That's true. Uh, I just, I'm just desperate to know what Long Tan thinks of all this. But I, whatever, it's fine. Yeah, uh, Brian, if you want to call in and, and tell us what the meeting was like. I think Ideally, be... Brian Wilcox, you would call in right now and tell us everything that happened. Yeah, yeah so. yes. I, w- I would really be curious to know. Um, okay, so let's let's move on to DC United. Uh, they played a soccer game on Saturday. They played a soccer game on Saturday at RFK Stadium, after which Thomas went and talked to Owen Coyle by himself. And Owen Coyle made him some tea and gave him some crackers. 
which is very nice of him. Uh, very polite. Yeah, United, uh, probably not their best performance. Uh, they end up getting a 1-1 draw against Houston. Um, they go up in the first half kind of against the run of play. Chris Rolfe uh, hits a free kick, very nice free kick. And um, Which, after the game, he said that he called it the Bobby Boswell special, uh, which was very confusing to the rest of us because Bobby Boswell isn't the person you really think of as being the free kick uh, guru. He apparently gave him some tips on Tyler Derrick's uh, goalkeeping habits while defending free kicks, and that led to uh, well, the goal. Were his habits be short and not be able to reach the ball when <laughs> yeah, you I mean, put it in the anybody, corner? I don't think anybody was saving that free kick. That was... Perfectly placed. Tyler Dick. Tyler, how tall is he? He he appears to be kind of short. He's pretty. He's, no he's Joe taller Willis. than me. He is no Joe Willis. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, Joe I, Willis. I, I had Joe Willis sit. warming the pines in Houston while Tyler Derrick, four foot three, I think Tyler Derrick is. You know. Yeah, that could that could have been the Joe Willis revenge game. <sighs> I had a uh, I had a sit down with Tyler Derrick on Friday and. I conclude he was taller than me. That's about okay. As he's far six. As I guess. He's six three. Right. I don't know yeah, why I thought is, he was so, so he's actually really tall. I don't yeah. know why I thought he, he was said short. he was. He said he was about five nine, five ten until like his junior year of high school, and then he had a massive growth spurt. So huh. let's let's talk about the game a little bit. Another another blown, uh, another wasted opportunity, if you will. Obviously, yeah. Another yeah. another Klinsmaning <laughs> for the for DC United. Another late late load blown lead. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, uh, I mean, two weeks in a row where the vibe in the locker room after the game has been uh, one of utter dejection, like it was a loss, you know. So, right. At it, least, at least this week they didn't wait until the very dying seconds to. Well, play. You know, and, and it, at least it, this week it was only a one goal lead they blew. It yeah. cracked me up to hear Bobby Boswell say things like points are at a premium in this league and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, 98% of the teams make the playoffs right now. It's <laughs> April. Know. Like, calm down. I think you know? Houston actually clinched a playoff <laughs> berth with that, with that tie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but, yeah, certainly, uh, you see, I didn't realize this. 15, they have a 15-game unbeaten streak at home across all competitions right now. Yeah, uh, we, we were both surprised by that. I think it was uh, o- Owen Coyle brought up that stat. He just said that they're 14 games unbeaten, and I was like, well, I'm pretty sure that's not right. <laughs> but it was for, it's, I think it's they haven't lost at home since, uh, I want to say they lost to the Seattle Sounders last June during the World Cup. All right, 646, you're on open wide for some soccer. How can we help you? Uh, yeah, I was wondering what you guys thought about Jurgen Klinsmann. He's going to stick around much longer. <laughs> um, is this the same caller? Same caller with a different, different accent? accent. Are we getting prank called? What? We just we just got a we just got a call. It was like pretty much the exact same question. And somebody hung up. All right. That was that was abrupt. All right. <laughs> Anyways, I'm go- let's uh, let's seamlessly pivot back to DC United. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, game management. Is it is this an issue, or is it two games in a row is too small a sample size to really draw real conclusions about their ability to protect leads? Uh, I mean, I think I think you definitely have to fold in the fact that they're playing without three starters, basically. Um, Silva, Spindola, or are you counting Halstead? Yeah, yeah, and then Burnbaum. So yeah, a few guys. Yeah, right. And uh, you know, so I do think I do think before the year, if you told me. Six games without a spindle, and then you toss Burnbaum in for a few, Halstead in for all of them, Silva still ramping up his fitness. To come out of that with five results, 
and be in first place, even if they have played a game less than a, a game more, excuse me, than New York. I think I think that's pretty damn solid. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, and so also, I, I don't it, really know how much of an it, issue it is right now. It was, I believe, four home games out of the six. So again, that sort of tilts the odds in their favor, but. I mean, like you said, it's MLS where, you know, uh, seven, 17 of the 20 teams make the playoffs now. <laughs> 18. So 18, 18, yeah. 18, yeah. So it's, I mean, they're they're in good shape. I mean, you you just kind of have to stay afloat. And now you've got your star player back. You've got Birnbaum and Halsey working their way back. Uh, Silva is ramping up his fitness. Uh, play, he's playing about two to three minutes more each game. So by September, he should be 90 minutes fit. Um, no, it's, uh, I mean, there are signs for optimism with DC. It'll be a good test for them next weekend playing at Vancouver though. I, and, uh, with a, a spindle back, I think we'll, we'll get a sense of what this DC team really looks like against a MLS cup contending opponent and how they stack up. Yeah, definitely. And I think that although Jairo Arieta did a decent job filling in for a spindle, I think you're really going to see a significant upgrade in quality when, when a spindle goes in, at least if yeah. we get the spindle from last year. Because Arietta, he's, he's kind of a forward who does a lot of the, uh, the little things. Uh, he holds up the ball. He puts in a good effort. Uh, he gets in good spots. But like a lot of forwards we've seen play for DC United, he doesn't really have the finishing ability that, that maybe a, a top-caliber MLS striker has. Uh, and last year, at least, uh, Espinola showed that. I, yeah. I will say I saw a video the team tweeted out of Espinola pushing a sled full of weights the other day. And um, given the sort of vigor and anger he was doing it with, I give him maybe four minutes before he gets a red card. <laughs> <laughs> you guys think he starts? I, uh, Thomas, I think he, we know you think he starts. And he goes 90. He goes 90. I feel like, you know, there I mean there are different angles to this. You maybe you try to phase him back in because he hasn't played in a month and a half, you bring him off the bench or you start him and have him play forty five or sixty minutes. I think he plays ninety. Guys, let's go to Twitter. John Arnold uh asks, What do you guys think is the future of your conclusion with the US national team? Oh my god. I John, think, you silly, silly guy. <laughs> I think he's gonna I think he's be going, a coach beyond. I think he'll win gold, us the gold cup. Twenty. I think he will be. I think he will be under contract with the U.S. national team through the twenty eighteen World Cup. Yeah, that's uh, agreed. Anyway, <laughs> uh, any other questions about Klinsman? Taking your calls three four seven seven five six six two seven six. Get them all. Get them all. Ask in the Pablo night. Thomas and I what we think the future of Jurgen Klinsman is with the U.S. national team. Jurgen, if you're listening, you call in too, please. Anyways, so Fabian Spindler. Also, I'd like to point out that Fabian Spindler returns still tied as DC United's leading scorer this season in all competitions with two goals. Thomas, I want to. <laughs> you can answer this question off Twitter. This one comes from Cesar Hernandez. Uh, what are your thoughts on the new Cat Cafe that's opening up in DC? Are you familiar with this? I mean, are, it's are a cafe there, are, where are there just, kitties. Oh yeah, you just go there. It's a cafe, and there's literally like. <laughs> 15 and 20 cats there. I'm not I, even kidding. I mean, this I, don't, I this have no idea how this place is and, allowed. And like you can, you can like pet the cats. And oh they, yeah, of they, course. They can sit on your. It sounds amazing. I okay. didn't. I didn't know about this. Yeah. Where Where is it? It's, I have no idea, but I, I've been reading all about it. I. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm really. I'm. I'm really afraid that this is going to end in 
uh, some harm toward cats. Some homeless person is going to go in there and just try to steal a cat. Jesus, Thomas. No, I mean, come on. What I want to know is if there are kitty bartenders and waiters. Because no, if they if they serve thing that can happen if they serve me drinks or food, I think I would be more I mean, inclined I think to go. The cat has to be over twenty one, and there aren't many of them. <laughs> There's cat years, cat years. Yeah, right. come on. No, uh, you could like strap a tray to one of their backs and put on a, a round of drinks and right, just so now tell, tell the kitty established that you're you're into abusing animals. <laughs> strap a tray to one of its backs. I'm not abusing animals. I'm not putting like a fifty. Just put them to work. I'm not putting a fifty pound weight on the back. I'm just putting a couple drinks. Nobody wants to go to your cat sweatshop bar. Okay, you just marching kitties around with trays full of drinks. I want right? a kitty waitress. Oh, uh, God. Uh, we have another caller. If this is, uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, caller, you're on open wide for some soccer. How can we help you? Hey, guys, it's Cam. Hey, you got your question? So, okay, so I think he's going to be coached through the 2018 <laughs> World Cup. He's doing a pretty they, good job. I mean, you guys uh, don't even let me ask the damn question. Like, what's the point of calling in if I can? I know, I know. Dan, Dan Dickinson, fresh off uh, four New York City soccer games in four days. My Dan, God. Dan did both the NYCFC games. He uh, traveled to, uh, what is it, I think Maine for the Cosmos game. Yeah. And and then uh, and also, as as per usual, covered the uh, New York Red Bulls. Uh, how are you holding up, Dan? Um, still kind of exhausted, but I'm doing okay. Yeah, um, such an yeah. ordeal. <laughs> it was a lot of travel, and uh, it was it was good to get some perspective on all three teams on the same weekend. But uh, I hope to never do that again. Okay. Tell me, tell us what a New York Cosmos game is like. <laughs> I mean, just tell it, us. I'm curious. Um, well, I mean, the, the team plays pretty well, as I, I put in my piece. Um, there really wasn't a big difference in quality between them and say NYCFC. Um, but the the stadium at Hofstra, you know, it's a sort of typical college lacrosse stadium with metal bleachers that you know you've got people knowing about and kids running up and down them, and so it just it doesn't quite feel like a professional. I mean, it's a professional soccer match, but it doesn't feel the same way that going to uh, an MLS game or or most leagues do. It's you know, it, it it feels a little like watching a college game in some ways. And the team's very good, but the experience, you know, they really need their own home. Dan, when they were trying to sell Raul on a move to the Cosmos, do you think they used the phrase typical college lacrosse stadium? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I mean, he's done so much in his career, but that's the one thing he hasn't done. So he had to check that out. You don't know what it's like. What they said to Pelé when he came to the Cosmos was, you've already won. You know, If you stay in Brazil, you can win another championship. If you come to the U.S., you can win a whole country. I guess what they said to Raul was, like, if you stay in Spain, you can win another championship. If you come to the United wasn't States. He in, wasn't he in the Middle East? He was in, uh, oh, sorry, I think he was in Qatar. But, <laughs> if you yeah. stay in Qatar, you can die of heat exhaustion. <laughs> if you come to the United States, you can... I don't know. You can live on Long Island. Yeah, walk <laughs> walk around a college lacrosse field in front of twenty five hundred people. How big is that place? The, the interesting thing for me at the end of the game when they finally did the press conference is both Raul and Gio were like, "Yeah, uh, playing on turf isn't really ideal for me at all." And, and I was like, 
you realize that's your home turf. Like, you're going to have to play on this. <laughs> Nobody, like, G- Gio's, like, looking around. Everybody's like, nobody tell him that it's going to be this way the whole year. <laughs> you like, can't we pull, told him we're replacing it. Come on. You can't like, pull an Henri and just say, I'm not going to play on turf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't work that way. Um, Dan, what else is going on? Uh, I. I want to know about the I want to know about the Red Bulls. So this was actually on our rundown for things to discuss. Are the Red Bulls f- for real? Yeah, they're they're looking like supporters' shield contenders right now. I'm not even just saying that; it, they really are. It, it's terrifying to think that the team finally plays the sort of up tempo, you know, team solidarity style after all of that upheaval in the off season. Um, but you know, it was shocking coming in after that game because. I don't know if you guys got to watch it, but pretty solid performance. You know, uh, lots of attacking chances. They netted two on San Jose and could have had three or four, as it turned out. Um, San Jose didn't really look in it outside of the last 15 minutes when Tommy Thompson and Chris Wondolowski came in. But you get down to the locker room, and the guys aren't happy. Like, we could have played much better. This, You know, we're not happy with the performance, but we'll take the result. It's like, you just got a home shutout. And a multi-goal win, and you guys all sound like Thierry Henry reminding everybody not to get ahead of himself. Yeah. It, it, it was bizarre. It's funny. I had a uh, a similar circumstance. Not quite the same because it was a draw, but they came back from a two-goal deficit to get a point right. at RFK Stadium. And I went to the Red Bulls locker room, and again, I was the only reporter there, <laughs> uh, just like I was with Houston this week. And uh, Marsh was pretty upbeat, and I talked to Robles, and he was in the middle. He was kind of like, yeah, we're happy, but we're not happy with the, with the style of play today. And then Dax was just, like, straight-up angry. Like, he was like he was not happy at all. And I, I had, like, a question that was kind of like, you know, hey, I have to be pretty pleased about, you know, getting the point, you know, under these circumstances. And he was just kind of like, well, I mean, we haven't. I don't know. It was still like a bad game, and we haven't accomplished much this season. We've only played four games, and we're still not where we want to be. I'm like, you're undefeated under a new coach after losing a best 11 player from last season. It's So, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I wonder if that's coming down from Marsh, that he's really trying to instill this constant, it's not good enough. I, is that Dax nowadays, the captain? It's It's definitely a different mentality than I've seen from past Red Bulls locker rooms. I think a couple of the guys said it is coming from Marsh. You know, if they're going to practice and they're already at 90%, I think it might have been Dax who said it. You know, he's telling them it's not good enough. And it's, it's fascinating that they're all buying into that because I know that style of coaching can quickly, you know, turn players off of it to approach the wrong way. But he's, he's all bought in. And it's, it's kind of shocking to see and kind of terrifying that they've done this again right after the whole Pepsi debacle and, uh, you know, whether or not it's going to come out when some people wrote off the team. We'll see. Yeah, Dan, you, meant, you mentioned the Pecky debacle. I, I was wondering if you could give us an idea of what the fan base is thinking now. What's their attitude towards Jesse Marsh and, and, and Ali Curtis? Uh, have they gotten over it? Have they partly gotten over it just because of how good they look under, under Marsh? How, what's the fan base yeah, like right now? Hey, and Dan, to add to that, um, I wonder if you could comment on something I heard from somebody who's pretty well connected, uh, you know, in the New York soccer scene, who told me that the players, after Petke's dismissal, were not really as upset as you think they might be. Um, not nearly as upset as the fans. I mean, is, is 
that well, point let me start with that. The, the players definitely weren't. If you listen to the last two or three episodes of Seeing Red, shameless plug here, um, when we had Louisa on or we had Dax on, you know, you, you can hear it in their voice that they're committed to Marsh and they're not really torn up about the move. And I think part of that is that they understand that this is business. Coaches get fired. Players get traded. You know, players move on. It, it, I think everybody in the game understands that. And I think for fans who were, you know, really bought into what Petke brought to the team, um, you, you kind of forget that. You know, nobody, if Hans Baca would have ran the last two years instead of Mike and won the Supporter Shield and got within a goal of MLS Cup and then got fired, nobody would be protesting because, it, you know, a lot of that was specific to Mike. Um, the fan base itself, you know, it, it's hard to say because it's such a weird spectrum of emotion as the Metro fans normally are. Um, you know, there are a handful that have still written off the club and are not coming back under any circumstances. Most of the people who are upset about Petke's firing are still upset, but they're entirely putting the blame, and rightfully so, on Ali Curtis. Everybody says, you know, Marsh is a fine co- anywhere from Marsh is a fine coach to Marsh is a great coach, but the, the venom is still very much aimed at Ali um, because, you know, he was the trigger man. And, you know, there, there's a growing segment of the fan base who are, are you know, starting to fight with the, the people who are still hung up on the Petke thing and saying, why can't you be happy the team's doing great? But that's the sort of typical infighting that happens in the fan base, you know, 365 days a year. Sounds, sounds like typical Red Bull fan angst. Dan, uh, yeah. as always, we appreciate the call. Uh, Dan Dickinson, Gothamist, seeing red here on Backheel also with Mark Fishkin and Dave Martinez. Dan, uh, take care. Thanks, guys, and uh, enjoy your next 20 years in calls. Oh, my God. <laughs> Swear to God if I get another one of those. Um, I was wondering, have your guys' opinions changed on Jurgen Klinsmann in the past, like, five to ten begin- minutes? Since the beginning of the show. Um, Thomas? Yeah, you know, I've I've really come around now to his uh, his philosophy as coach. I, I buy into it. I think Julian Green is the future. I think Jordan Morris is the future. Mm. I think they're going to win the 2016 Copa America. Jordan going... Morris hat trick against Argentina. Right. Right. Like... I mean, I, do you think? Uh, I mean. Uh, there's no way like Javier Mascherano is going to be able to, to track Jordan Morris. Uh, it's uh... <laughs> my favorite Jordan Mor- Morris moment from the Mexico game was his long busting run with the ball to the end line, where he just sort of like flopped around and kicked it out of bounds. <laughs> just kind of fell over. It was kind of like the yeah. standard uh, rising American prospect sequence. Well, we were we were Seth, we and, were I just... were, Seth and I were watching that game on uh, Charlie Bohm's 2400 baud modem. <laughs> yeah, we just we just got a kick out of the uh, Jordan Morris highlight package that they kept showing at the end of the game uh, because they kept showing that over and over again. And I mean, I get it. It showed that he's able to run fast with the ball, but they kept showing the end of the play. And it just was kind of hilarious yeah. that, that that was one of the things that they had to focus okay. on based on what he did okay. during the game. I, I'll point out one other thing real quick. Jordan Morris on his shot. He sh- puts it straight at the goalkeeper, happens to go through his legs. Maybe that was his intent. I doubt it. If he shanks that at, right at the keeper and it's stopped and then he gets subbed out five minutes later, I mean, the p- complete perception of him is entirely different, right? 
Yeah, but I, it was a good finish. I think you're you're being a little harsh on that. Yeah. I, I don't think that he necessarily tore it up in the game as a whole, but I think that particular play showed his quality. I mean, it was a good. I mean, it's like, in, it was a good instinctive first touch and a good finish. He kept it low. He knew the keeper was coming out. Like Alexi Lawless has been saying for days now, he got he got his chance and he took it. And a lot of players don't do that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so should we wrap up? DC United and then uh, head on to general MLS. Trevor, Trevor wants to know if Jordan Morris would have scored against Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> would he have scored Chris Wendell? I think most people would. I think Thomas Floyd would have scored that. Well, yeah. I don't know. Thomas, has Thomas been Floyd would have popped that up to himself and did a scorpion kick. Thomas would have scored if the U.S. would have gotten a corner kick and Thomas would have taken it because, as we all know, Thomas scored a legendary Olympico in his college then, intramural yeah, days. I'd imagine Thomas is... 7v7. Shut up, stop it. I'd imagine Thomas' celebration would be to run around, then take his pants off, right? I mean, underwears. There's yeah. underwear involved. And is then swing his, swing his shorts around over his head. Exactly. You turn to the ref and you're like... It's a yellow card if you take your shirt off, but not your pants. I'm right? not sure if you remember this, either of you, but this actually happened uh, in a game a few years back. Mirko Vucinic, uh, former Juventus striker, scored a goal. He was with Montenegro's international game, and he just ripped off his under, his pants, and he had like, some tidy whities <laughs> on underneath. It was incredible. Uh, 443, welcome to Open Wide for some soccer. How can we help you? Hi. So sort of to get back to some DC stuff, can we talk about Chris Tanius? Do we do we pat him on the head and send him back to Clarendon? <laughs> is this part of what we expect from him, or are there changes coming forward? Or do you, do you think he's gonna really start finishing shots? So yeah, Thomas and I were. That's actually a great question. Thomas and I were um, talking about this before the show. Uh, Seth, uh, we were catching Seth up on the game. Seth, uh, Seth's parents weren't down this weekend, so he was kind of busy, and he asked about Chris Pontius, and I said, well, he had a typical sort of recent Chris Pontius game where he gets in good spots and gets two or three good opportunities but misses a couple, puts one on frame, and you you do just kind of keep waiting for Chris to reclaim that sort of 2012 best 11 form, and it just doesn't seem to be happening for him. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. That 2012 season, he had a slow start to the year, and it was right around, I think, mid-April, maybe late April, that he kind of like got into his groove and kind of caught fire. And he's always been a bit of a streaky player. So, you know, he even when he was on top of his game, he was prone to having these kind of spells where he wasn't at his best. So that's kind of the optimistic way of looking at it. You know, maybe he's working through that, you know, still – you know, slowly gaining sharpness after his injury, maybe having someone like a Spindola to really bounce off of, you know, maybe to let him shift back to his left side midfield role will kind of spark him. So, you know, I, I'm not ready to write him off quite yet. He hasn't been the the best 11 Chris Pontius for sure, the one who justifies the over $300,000 salary cap charge he takes on DC United's roster, but uh, there's still a chance he could you know, be back to that player sooner than later. Yeah, I mean, I think you, and you do still see flashes, right? Yeah. I mean, he I mean, still has the, the goal against L.A. Exactly. Yeah, yeah so uh, Chris is certainly capable of, of turning it on. It's a contract year for him, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Thanks, guys. Sure, take care. Um, yeah, we're, we're, what, were, what were we talking about just now? Well, we were Before wrapping our DC United talk. I know we we have a uh, a comment on Twitter from Ben Bromley 
responsibility for a DC goal, which uh, was... I already replied yeah, to that Twitter was, Opari. That, uh, that's a, a pretty good uh, summation. If we want to elaborate slightly, Opare, you know, didn't get goal side on Bruin. And, and at that point, I mean, there's not much more Dykstra can do. He makes the great first save. Um, Does Marcus Hosty step right in for Opari, center back? I mean, if he's if he's healthy before Birnbaum is, I think so, yes. Yeah, yeah I, I, Opari, he, he started off encouragingly enough, but I, I think in the last couple of weeks we've we've seen a, a little bit more of his uh, limitations. Yeah, I, he's a he's a number four MLS center back who's in a starting role, and you know they're going to be they're going to be mistakes. It's um, I think we've kind of seen what he's capable of, and on in the last couple of games, you know. They've been exposed and led the goals, unfortunately, for D.C. The other one is, I guess, Sean Franklin was on Brad Davis, and you know maybe he could have uh, kept that ser- that initial service from coming in. But I mean, da- uh, Franklin was pretty much all over Davis. He, you know, it's you're you're facing probably the best left winger in MLS. So I mean, uh, Davis is you know he knows how to get his cross off and to, to beat his man. It, it's kind of hard to put much, if any, blame on Franklin for dealing with Davis in isolation. All right, so let's uh, let's saunter on and sort of talk about some general MLS stuff. Um, let's start with Seattle, uh, who for me, when when they're firing on all cylinders, are the best team in MLS, the funnest team to watch, and good lord, man, that Obafemi Barnes goal was absolutely filthy. It was so dirty. Just yeah, goal of the year candidate for me. I know you guys might not agree, but the skill. The skill involved in doing that is absurd, you know. I also I feel really bad for Drew Moore and Bobby Burling. It's just they're going to be on highlight reels for years ago. They get the like the Sean Bradley the post rise style, you the know? John Bush treatment from last year. Yeah, I think Oba, Oba <laughs> the Femi, John Bush black stare animated <laughs> file. Yeah, Obafemi Martins. I think more than any other player in MLS has these moments where. He demonstrates how much better he is than the defenders trying to cover him. Like, he just straight up embarrasses people, I think, in a way that even, like, a Robbie Keane or something can't really accomplish. Yeah, the only thing uh, I think close at the moment is Javinko's increasingly prominent ability to embarrass goalkeepers. (laughs) Javinko, in case you missed it, and you probably did because this happened at one thirty in the morning. <laughs> at not even an exaggeration, after a three and a half hour rain delay in Dallas, Juvenko in the eighty second minute decided to single handedly take the game over. TFC down three nil to Dallas. Juvenko with two absolutely disgusting goals, ridiculous and casual, and yeah. one miss that very easily could have gone in. That was of an extreme de- degree of difficulty. Almost makes up a three-goal deficit single-handedly in 10 minutes. Worth the price of admission alone. Yeah. Javenko. For for all four people still at the stadium yeah, spe- at that point. I, you, know, you know what I was wondering about with that game? I don't know what the regulations are, but they had a three-hour delay at the 42nd minute. Yeah. They come back and, and they play break three for minutes, and then they have minutes. halftime. Yeah. I think that's definitely a you got to stick to the rules thing because that's yeah. just absurd. I, yeah. Did you see the shot of uh, – like, <laughs> put the little graphic up on the screen, like, we'll be right back. And it was just a shot of the Dallas fans. And all of them were just, like, literally, like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, nobody, <laughs> nobody told them, you know. Okay, this is going to be a, a throwback. The 2002 MLS All-Star Game at RFK Stadium had a very similar circumstance. 
where there was a over an hour delay for monsoon-like conditions. Then they came out and they shortened the half from 45 minutes to 30 and almost immediately blew it dead so they could get the Paulina Rubio halftime show in during the allotted ESPN time slot. It was one of the... Thomas Floyd. It was one of the sadder moments in MLS history. I think if any moment in our show's history deserved the Thomas Floyd sound drop, that, oh was, my God. that was probably it. Also, Thomas, we've always known you're a Paulina Rubio fan. <laughs> uh, Thomas wasn't even watching for the soccer. He was like, I was, when is Paulina Rubio coming on? I, Thomas always struck me as more of an Ariana Grande kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Also, uh, that All-Star game was... Do either of you know who the opponent was for that All-Star game? Was it... They had some really hilarious international opposition. I want to say it's one of those, like, West Ham or something. It was the U.S. national team. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, shit. It was, uh, yeah, it was the MLS All-Stars versus the U.S. national team. But um, it was, the U.S. team was comprised entirely of World Cup veterans. And uh, obviously a lot of the World Cup team were guys in Europe who didn't travel over for the game. So Bruce Arena called up a bunch of veterans from the 98 World Cup as well, who at that point were like MLS backups and third stringers. <laughs> so like I remember Jurgen Sommer was like the third string goalkeeper for some MLS team at that point, and he ended up, I think, starting the all-star game for the U.S. <laughs> Does that count as a cap? I, I do, you, do you get a cap for playing in an MLS all-star game? That's my my favorite, uh, my favorite uh mls all-star game memory this is a very quick one is uh so watemoc blanco blanco won the mls all-star game mvp one year and um happened to be in the same team as david beckham i'm gonna say it was 08 or 09. i think that sounds about right yeah. so um he wins you know the uh the all-star game mvp the some fairly clueless uh espn sideline you know correspondent you know they cut to her on the field She's like, so, you know, uh, Watemuk, how does it feel to play on the same team as David Beckham? That's like her, her question, right? <laughs> and Watemuk Blanco's answer is incredible. He says in Spanish, he says, I do this all for the glory of Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> if I could find that video clip. I mean, it was the that, ultimate just that, fuck you. That kind you know. of makes me think that he didn't understand what she said. Oh, he completely understood. You know, he he was just like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like a World Cup, you know three-time, two-time, whatever, World Cup veteran, and, you know, I do this all for the glory of Mexico. Also, that's an insane question to ask anybody in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> like, it has nothing to do with anything. Uh, I'll try and find the clip. You guys just, you know, 2008, I, yeah. Okay. All right. We'll so talk, we'll talk in, amongst ourselves. So, uh, in the meantime, where were we? Uh, oh yeah. Toronto Where's, FC, so, are they in trouble now? Are 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 we still <laughs> talking this up? Thomas, this is, this is the I... motherfucker who who refuses to walk back his claim. Oh, that well, I think win. Thomas. I'm not. Thomas needs to refer to TFC from now on as Toronto FC, who I picked to win the Eastern <laughs> Conference. Okay, so I'd like to point out that the team that won the Eastern Conference last year had a five game losing streak in the summer. Things, yeah, but they weren't. This TFC. Is, they weren't. This TFC. is MLS. This is TFC. They and weren't they, cursed. They, they played all road games. They're gonna go on a roll. I kind of forgot about Altador and Bradley missing a month for the Gold Cup. If anything, maybe <laughs> there roll, go, if anything, there maybe, go four if games. anything made me roll back my prediction. That might be it. Yeah. But I, yeah. I, uh, I still, I still have faith that they. Now to clarify, 
will win the Eastern Conference, not necessarily finish first in the East, but right. will be the Eastern Conference champion. Eight five six, you're on open wide for some soccer. How can we help you? I'm calling in to talk about uh, Klinsman's future. All right. <laughs> Is this McConaughey? Is this Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> yeah. I'm far into a black hole to have to go to save his future. <laughs> Interstellar 2. Back to Klinsman. All right. All right, all right. All right, I'd, all I'd right. Like, I'd like to imagine if there were a soccer subplot in Interstellar that McConaughey goes through the war, through the wormhole and when he comes back, 90 years have passed, and Klinsman is still, still the head coach, coach of the national team. <laughs> Klinsman's like, it's all about to love. The entire time, it was all about love. God, don't get God. me started on that movie. It was. Thomas, I, you know what? I got to be honest with you. Thomas, in case you missed it, Thomas, Interstellar was Thomas's. And Thomas is somebody who sees a shitload of movies. How many did you see last year? Probably 40, 50? Yeah, about. Yeah. Thomas, Thomas says Interstellar was... His number one movie. That was my favorite movie of the year. Yeah. Out of every movie that came out. It's and, a, and, you know, I'll process it by saying I didn't mind the movie, but to say that is just absurd. To say, that a, movie, to say that a movie where Matthew McConaughey is floating behind a bookshelf. Oh, it, I, I dug that part. Oh, my God. I, I didn't see it coming. It kind of had like some nice uh, 2001 Space Odyssey vibe to it. I, I kind of I get what you just said is so sacrilegious. I mean, you know, Stanley, Stanley Kubrick's rolling in his exactly. Grave. <laughs> yeah, vibe. All right, fine. God. I'm not saying it's better than 2001, but Stanley I, Kubrick still is rolling in his grave because he just heard you compare Christopher Nolan to him. Vibe. Justin Timberlake's Justified has a Beatles White Album vibe. <laughs> Like, Jesus Christ, Thomas. Um, okay, we we have a tweet from Scott Kessler who says, if I'm the dumbest caller ever on the show, I'm proud. I don't know if that means that he already called and was one of the anonymous Jurgen Klinsman people, or he's about to try to be the dumbest caller ever on no, the show. We have a caller, 408. You're on Open Wide for some soccer. How can we help you? Uh, yeah, this is uh, Matt from San Jose. Uh, I'm actually the guy whose brother hooked, hooked you guys up with the best picture um, ever with Long Tan. It's, oh my god! I know you guys right. probably you guys you guys have probably already talked about it ad nauseum. I've just tuned in. I'm no, no, no. We work, so. we we absolutely uh, tuned in. Wait, so your name is Matt? Yes. Well, then who sent us the picture? Uh, it's his brother. It's my brother. So I'm at Faded to Black, and <laughs> my brother lives in Arizona, and he's he is an AZ United fan. So I've been trying to get him to do this, and. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We want the, you know, yeah. uh, I wish you'd get him to call in and just tell us the whole story of how awkward yeah. that was for Long Tan or, you know. <laughs> I, do I you mean, do you have any insight on how that interaction went? Um, all I got from him um, was they were at a, the Jersey unveiling, and um, I'm not sure what was said. So I will talk to him. Maybe I'll get him on the next week or something like that. But, uh, yeah. Um, I'll have him tell the story. As many as many there, details so. as you like, what he smelled like, all <laughs> kinds of details. And I think you could get us really appreciate it. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll prep. I'll prep my brother on that. Make sure that he he gets all that <laughs> stuff down. You know. Yeah. Um, well, we we appreciate the call, man. And yeah, your brother your brother has done uh, a service uh, for his nation for this podcast. We appreciate his service. Uh, he wants his prize pack, though. He's been he's been asking. His prize pack is, uh, I shit you not, it's sitting on top of my toolbox at work. 
packed up with his address on it, ready to go. He, he DM me his address the other day, so he will get the prize back for sure. I mean, I don't want That's that awesome. stuff. <laughs> All right, cheers, man. Thanks for the call. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. So um, this was like a uh, a whole network of people working together to make this glorious moment. Yeah, I, I recognize Matt. Matt tweets at us uh, quite frequently. So. I was confused. I just thought that Matt. Are they both named Matt? No, I don't think they're. This isn't <laughs> Pete and Pete. Just, most siblings have different names. No, I know. I just <laughs> his brother's name is Brian. Okay, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. Matt. Sorry, I got all confused. My bad. Um, also. Uh, Brian my, Wilcox, yeah. All right. All right. My my theory is that there is zero chance Longtan had any idea what was happening. I disagree. Well, th- he saw the sign, yeah, and I mean, he right. follows us on he Twitter does follow now. Us on Twitter. Our, our Twitter yeah. banner says Longtan is God on it. Okay? He knows something is going on. <laughs> I mean, he probably just thinks it's funny like we do. Except we love him. I don't know. And, anyways, wait, moving on. Wait. This, you guys have been doing this just for comedy? <sighs> Let's talk about Darlington Nagby. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Darlington Nagby. Okay, I have I have a bold statement. These happen sometimes. Okay. I think Okay, this is a bold okay, statement. Okay, this is this is mostly about What was the last time that you made you made a bold statement last World Cup cycle about who Yeah. Would, it was that John Brooks was gonna make the I, team. I pick, it was like in August before the World Cup, I picked Brooks and Yedlin would make the team. That was yeah. So you got a track record here. Yeah. I also picked uh, Toronto to win the East. <laughs> I, Thomas Floyd. I also did pick the Whitecaps to have like a breakout season for Carl Robinson to be my coach of the year. So, Could so far, I like one one for two. So, on what's those. your what's your latest uh, I, Thomas Floyd okay, lukewarm take? This is about uh, this is more about style than in terms of uh, other than as opposed to legacy. I think Darlington Nagby right now is the most Landon Donovan-esque player I've seen in MLS ever, aside from Landon Donovan. At like yeah, the, yeah, at the, I mean, I at the level he's playing right now to start this season. I could see that. Although yeah. I, I thought the hot take was going to be that he could step right into the starting lineup of the U.S. national that, team well, in a few months when he's... Yeah, that kind of builds off. Yeah, like if he maintains this level when he's a U.S. citizen and I believe September, I think Nagby now is at steps into the starting 11 immediately he's he's definitely i would i would say if i had to pick whether he'll be on the roster in 2018 i would pick pick yes on the world cup roster his his ability to run at defenders to keep the ball while you know accelerating to make the right decisions to to wait passes on the counter just the right way. It's just so Donovan-esque. I, I just haven't seen any other player in MLS who can replicate that the way yeah. Agby has to start. To now, start of this course, season. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's advocate a little bit here and point out the fact that in the 2014 and 2015 season combined, he has... 37 starts and one goal. Right. But now here's another... A very Landon Donovan-esque numbers. (laughs) Well, this is where he's a little different player. He also led MLS in duels won last year. He's not your traditional attacking mid. This is a bit more of a two-way player than Donovan was, but he's... uh, Which kind of makes him kind of a good fit, you, you would think, for the U.S., because he he wouldn't step into a U.S. team and be running the show the way he has been in Portland. Uh, he, he's a guy who I feel like could step into a national team and you could plug him into one of those wide roles. If you're playing the diamond, maybe like one of those uh, 
pseudo flank roles that you know Disgrude and Corona played last week. I feel like he'd be the perfect fit. He has the defensive work ethic. He wins balls, and he also can run at defenders. and And although his goal store scoring totals have not been great over the last season and uh, and change. I mean, he, in his first couple of seasons, scored some spectacular goals and, and shows that he has that in the in the toolbox. Yeah, that's the thing. He actually has the ability. You know, in 2012, he scored six, and then in 2013, he scored nine. Yeah. And, and Klinsman's already proven that he'll take chances on players for the national team. I mean, I think he found Jordan Morris, like, at a intramural Frat ultimate party. Frisbee game or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Jordan, come with me. Like, anyways, um, yeah, uh, and and was an absolute terror in the NYCFC game. So yeah, well, the thing with the NYCFC game is was an absolute terror on that like uh, shuffleboard table they were playing. Yeah, on. it was it, it wasn't the type of game that lent itself to his skill set because it was very crowded because you know they're playing on a field that's only twenty yards wide, and it's uh, they. You know, he he would have these wonderful touches just in in tight spaces. He's very silky on the ball, and he's able to to just make things happen when uh, you know the Timbers need him to. With guys like Will Johnson and Diego Valeri still out. Yeah, he. I mean, he's already good, but certainly somebody who has as high of a ceiling as anybody in MLS, with the exception, I don't know, maybe Kakuta Mane. Yeah. Can we talk about uh, Montreal for a minute before we go here. Pray for Montreal. Pray get, for hashtag. How do you say pray in French? Do you think they'll be able to overcome the seven-goal deficit in the second leg? <laughs> I, let's just get to previewing it's, it's, the. Uh, it's a good thing. I'm sure all the. Uh, I'm sure those like fifty thousand fans who bought tickets will help them along from their nine nine-nil deficit. <laughs> yeah, you, know. you wonder. You wonder. Let, let, let's say theoretically they do lose like six or seven zero in the first leg. Yeah. How many of those fifty thousand fans would show up? I know it's yeah that. I kind of want to see that happen, <laughs> just for the sheer curiosity of it. It's it, it's it's really unfortunate for for them. I mean, on the balance, Club America obviously deserved to go through, but you would have to think that winning three zero at home, Herediano had done enough, and then they just go out and get absolutely annihilated in the yeah, second leg. I believe the last show we or the show we recorded before that before that game was literally like a couple hours before the game and i think i like jokingly predicted a 5 nothing america win yeah. and i underestimated them it was 6 they got right? they got yeah. 4 in the first like 15 minutes yeah. yeah oh man that was that was not pretty yeah i mean the, the task just becomes so much harder i mean america they're the best team in mexico over the last two or three years and right toughest stadium to play in yeah, the playing in, in the Azteca at altitude. Montreal doesn't have Eric Alexander because he's cup tied. <laughs> they don't have <laughs> Eric Alexander. Well, that, they, and they are missing two of their best attacking players, uh, which so far hasn't really affected them. And, uh, you know, Porter and Map. I guess I shouldn't say so far because Porter is the only reason that they got past Pachuca in yeah. the quarterfinals. Yeah, well, apparently, uh, Cooper. There's like a decent chance Kenny Cooper might start. Like that's been floated out there. It's like a Jack Mac Cooper. How how thing. bizarre is that? That in the Champions League you can sign somebody ten days before the final and just put them in your starting lineup. Can you imagine? Yeah, I don't understand why. If Garber really wants to win Champions League and he's 
you know, uh, moving games around. So, you know, Montreal doesn't have any MLS distractions. There's Zlatan Ibrahimovic yeah. one-week contract. Yeah. <laughs> just, or, I mean, just, lo- all right, we're going to uh, have a one-week one week loan for uh, Javinko, Bradley, Robbie Keane, and David Villa to the Montreal Impact. I, I think they I think might. that's s- called cheating. I think they might yeah. still lose to America, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> MLS All-Stars versus America in Azteca, best of 10, who wins? Um, if Okay, in this hypothetical, the MLS All-Stars have had time to train and function as a team. No, keep in mind they're uh, from MLS. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> uh I think the MLS All-Stars could beat America. Yeah, I mean, but I'm saying but best of seven. Best of seven. Uh, maybe? I don't know. That, Be- best of seven, uh, America in six. <laughs> Four That's games to calling? two. Four games to two. Four games to two. All right. All right, let's wrap it up. <laughs> Sorry for that warning. Don't forget. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, it was a successful show because we didn't die in a hurricane. So yeah, yeah or a was, tornado. It was looking kind of ominous for a while there. Seth, yeah. will we make it to Chipotle? It's 9 p.m. We have an hour. We're in good shape. Pray for Chipotle. Good night. Bye. <laughs>